Hear the word of the Lord from Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Justin, and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm going to pray for us, and we are going to get after it. Father, uh, we do thank you for the way that you have revealed yourself to us through your Son. We thank you for the work that you've done in getting us here this morning. We thank you for the beautiful weather outside. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth. And we thank you for your word. Um, I pray that today your word would lead us into that truth, that your word would be a light in, in the dark places of our life, that you would straighten out what's crooked in us, that you would use me and think through my mind and speak to my vocal cords, um, that you would hide me behind your word today, that your people would hear your words and not my opinions this morning. Um, I pray that you would do all of this for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> Well, if you are new here, we are working our way through the fundamentals of our church. Um, each week, we're looking at a key piece of our DNA of what makes Sacred City, Sacred City. And the whole kind of premise of our church and this, the premise of this series is that we don't define ourselves by what we do. We define ourselves by what God has done for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That God has made us something and now we live a certain way out of that identity that he's given us. And you saw the past few weeks, we've talked about God gave us the identity of family. He gave us the identity of missionaries. We, last week, Steve did a great job. He gave us the identity of servants. And today we're gonna look at the identity as learner. Okay, as learner. Now, learner is, you know, it's kind of, most of us could probably easily define what, what a learner is, but you're, it's not something you're naturally going to go, oh yeah, I got that from the Bible. Like, I, I remember that one verse about he made us into learners. Now, we, we really say that we have the identity of learner for two reasons. One, it is in our text today when Jesus says, come to me, learn of me. But secondly, learning is the root of the word disciple. A disciple is somebody who learns from another person, who follows that person's way of life and learns what it's like to, to, to be like that, right? So think of it as um, 
a doctor goes to med school, right? But they don't just give him, upon graduation, they don't just give him a scalpel, thank God, right? They say, nope, first thing you gotta do is you gotta go to residency, right? And in residency, that's where you're being discipled, right? That's where you're one-on-one or one-on-however many with doctors and they're watching you, you know, doctor. Let me just say it like that. And they're like, they're helping you, making sure you can apply that knowledge, making sure you could become a doctor, become a certain type of person. You have to have more than just intellect up here. Your way of life must match theirs. Your ability must match theirs. Well, the same is true for a Christian. A Christian, once they've received this identity from God, a Christian is to be a lifelong learner and disciple of Jesus. A Christian is not a person who just asks Jesus into their heart and then goes on with their life with nothing changed. A a Christian is not just a person who knows some things about Jesus, some historical facts about him. Yeah, I believe he was a person. Yeah, he lived. Yeah, he died. Yes, he resurrected. I'm a Christian. No, to be a Christian is to be a lifelong learner of Jesus, to be in a personal relationship with him in such a way that as you live your life, your life begins to look more like his. Walking and living as a Christian is learning how to submit more and more and more of my life to the lordship of Jesus. Think of it like this. The school of Christ is not like high school or college. Right? In that academic space, you completed the requirements, you got your degree, you hung it on a wall. That's that. Nobody can take it away from you, right? You're a graduate. Well, there are no graduates from the school of Christ. Our learning of him is meant to go on our entire lives and even into eternity, that we will never get to the end of the knowledge of God. We just go deeper and deeper into it. Since God is infinite in his person, we read the scripture today, we sang the song, he's unsearchable. It doesn't mean you can't search him, it means you can't get to the end of him. Since he's infinite in his person, we can go deeper and deeper and deeper into our understanding of him. He's like an ocean that we can swim in and enjoy for eternity. We can dive deep, but never reach the bottom. We can never fully plumb the depths of God, but that doesn't keep us from trying and that doesn't keep us from enjoying it. And every new discovery and every new experience is meant to thrill us with delight. Now, let me ask you right away. Do you consider yourself a learner of Jesus? Do you have a passion to know him in deeper and deeper ways? Or are you just kind of content with your knowledge of God? Do you want your life to be lived for his glory more and more and more as you grow old? See, this is one of the evidences of God's work in your life. That the Holy Spirit is a teacher who leads us into truth. And therefore, Christians are lifelong learners of that truth. Now, there's two things that I want us to see this morning about being a learner. One 
is that it's a lifelong endeavor, okay? We never reach the end of it. It's a treasure hunt that never ends, okay? Now, that can be exhausting, <laughs> right? It's the Easter egg hunt that never ends, right? That can be a little exhausting. And there's a way of looking at it that is exhausting. And so we're gonna have to hold this second truth with it together today. And the second truth is this. Learners of Jesus also experience a supernatural restfulness of soul. That means even though they're constantly learning, their minds can still be at ease. Their hearts can still be quieted. They have learned to rest well and enjoy God wherever they're at in life right now. That means they can actually breathe. They're not just strivers. They're not just achievers. They're not just constantly driven to the point of exhaustion. See, there's one way of looking at this thing that I, I'm even, I'm prone to. I'm prone to, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to know more of God. And so give me the next book right? I read about, I don't know, 50 to 75 books. I act like I don't know, but I know I keep track of it. Okay. 50 to 75 books a year, mostly nonfiction. And I probably buy about a hundred books a year. Okay. Because I want to know that. Oh, I want to know that. Oh, I want to know that. And I'm just constantly reading. And I get to, I get to places in my soul where my soul feels so busy and I feel so packed full. I just can't have anything else. And I have to like, I have to make myself Listen to music, Justin. Stop listening to audiobooks. Like, you know, like stop, right? That there's this sense that you want to know things and know God so much that you, it can create this drivenness in you that creates a busy soul. And Jesus wants us to learn of him. He wants us to learn what it looks like to live in, in his kingdom and under his lordship. But he wants us to do that in a way where we can be settled while we're learning. We can have rest while we're learning. Would you like to experience that? Would you like to know what it feels like to be at peace within yourself and experience that kind of soul rest? Well, if you're new to Sacred City, you're just kind of checking us out or checking out Christianity this morning, let me ask you to do one thing for me today. As I get going, I'm going to say some things, and Jesus is going to say some things that sound very narrow-minded, okay? Now, you could perceive them as arrogant or intolerant, and I understand why that's the case. I, I understand why you would think that way. You might have a very negative reaction to that. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Don't assume that because something is narrow, it's negative, in a sense, see, one of my favorite things to do with my kids is to go to Makokata Caves, right? I love to go to Makokata Caves. And what I love about Makokata Caves is I love shimmying myself through some little narrow hole in the earth, right? But not just because I'm a freak like that, right? But because you shimmy yourself through these things. And guess what? Sometimes those little narrow passageways opens up to a large, expansive cavern that's amazing, right? Now, my wife will not do that with me, okay? 
My wife will take one step in and go, oh, uh uh-uh, go on, right? And she misses. We come back and we're like, it was amazing. She's like, "Mm, nah, I like my life. I'm fine, (laughs) right? (laughs) I could have to tell a story right there, but I'm not, gotta keep moving. All right, so that, but that's what I'm asking you to do this morning. Listen, what I'm going to say and what Jesus says sounds narrow, okay? But it's not negative. It's narrow and it's gonna come into this one little skinny passageway. But if you shimmy yourself through with me this morning, it's gonna open up to a large expanse where you can find what you're looking for and that's rest, restfulness of soul. But if you reject the narrow entry point, you're never gonna get to experience that wide open bliss that God has for you. So please hear me out. Let's enter this narrow tunnel together, okay? Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. We're gonna be looking at verses 25 through 30. This is Jesus. In this context, Jesus is teaching. uh, He's really speaking in the presence of the religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees. And if you wanna know a little bit about them, basically they were um, experts in the Old Testament law. They were experts in religious law, experts in the scriptures. They had read them front, backwards, inside and out. And yet they missed the grand story that God was telling. They missed kind of the point of them. And so Jesus here is confronting them. And this is what he says. Let's keep reading. At that time, Jesus declared, Jesus is gonna pray in front of them. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Okay, the first thing Jesus is saying is here, now listen, this is important. You don't learn your way into the kingdom of God. Okay, Jesus isn't waiting for you to get enough theology into your head where now all of a sudden you'll become Christian. Okay, no, in fact, Jesus often works the opposite way and he reveals things to little children that wise and the wise and understanding, those who've studied scripture, those who studied spirituality, world religions, etc., those who have philosophy degrees and they think they're brilliant. He's actually hidden it from them sometimes and chosen to reveal it to little children. Such was his gracious will that man cannot earn their way into favor with God, even through our great learning. Okay, so there is one sense. Solomon said this too. There's there's never gonna come an end to writing of books. He said that a long time ago. Is that still true? That's still true. Get on Amazon, you can find it out. Find out, right? Why? We're never gonna get to the end of, end of knowledge. We're never gonna get the end of writing books. There's always something else to learn. There's always something, and, but God doesn't necessarily, you know, reveal himself to the smartest per- person in the room. Sometimes he chooses to reveal himself to the humble, to those little children, okay? Keep reading. All things, okay, we're about to get real narrow. Actually, we already are kind of narrow, but we're about to get real narrow here. All things have been handed over 
So look at this. He's praying to God, the Father, Lord of heaven and earth, okay, king of everything. And then he says this, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Okay, this is narrow. Jesus here is claiming to be the only one who knows the Father, God, right? That means Jesus is claiming to be the only person who knows God accurately. Why? Because Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus has existed forever with him as one of the Trinity, right? And Jesus, the Son, puts on flesh, the biblical word is incarnation, or, or, or the theological word is incarnation, means he put on flesh. Jesus put on flesh and came to dwell with us to reveal to us what God is like. And so Jesus here is saying, because I am one with God, I've always been one with God, and I came from God the Father, and now I put on flesh and I've showed you how you're supposed to live. I've showed you what God is like. And now God has given me all things into my hand. All authority is in me. And so no one can come to know the Father unless they know me. And the only people who are gonna come to know the Father through me are those that I choose to reveal myself to. That's very narrow. That's very narrow. But let me just say this. You might say, yeah, that sounds very narrow. He's claiming to be the only truth. I think all truth is narrow. If you say, I believe there are no bad religions. I believe all religions can lead people to truth. Okay, that statement sounds real open, except when you actually work out its implications. Because I say, God, Jesus says, the son of God here, the son of God says, there's only one way. He's the only one that can get you to the Father and reveal the Father to you. And you say, Jesus, you're wrong. All roads can lead to God. What you're saying is Jesus is wrong and you are right. That's just as narrow as Jesus saying, I'm the only way because all claims to truth are narrow. They have to be, right? You're saying this is true, that's not. But let me show you why Jesus's way is a narrow tunnel that opens up to a wide expanse. Let's keep reading. Verse 28. Come to me all. Okay, that's an offer. See how we just got wide? It's opened up. Was narrow, now it's, now it's a little wider. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you Rest. This is an invitation to come to Jesus personally. It's not an invitation just to believe some historical facts about him. He says, come to me all. All who labor and are heavy laden. Jesus here is calling the tired He's calling the exhausted. He's calling the worn out. He's saying, I see you. I see the burdens you carry. 
carrying. I see the stress. I see the anxiety. I see the fear. I see the doubt. Bring it to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But what's interesting here, Jesus doesn't call them to a vacation. In one sense, it's more like he calls them to a vocation. Because immediately he says, come to me, take my yoke upon you. See, when we're tired, when we're worn out, we know exactly what we need. More time off. That's what we need, right? Jesus says, there's a burden, there's a weight, there is an exhaustion. And what you need isn't just a break. You need rest in your soul. And this is Jesus' prescription for that. Look at this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, I, we just stop there. We all like this. I like this idea. Jesus is telling me, take, take some time off. He's going to drop some grapes in my mouth. He's going to let me watch plenty of Netflix. I'm going to get a babysitter. It's going to be amazing, right? But that's not what he does. Look what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Oh, now, stop, stop, stop. Take my yoke upon me. Now, I have to explain this because last time I talked about yoke, a guy came up to me and said, why are you talking about eggs? I'm like, oh, bro, bro. Not yoke, right? Yoke as in a harness that goes around somebody's neck or goes around an animal's neck. And what is this? This is about getting stuff done. Yoke, a yoke is a harness that goes around an animal's neck and it helps you harness their energy, right? And you plow a field with it. You can get more done. So now this is interesting. Jesus is like, you are worn out. You are burdened. Come work with me in a sense. Come work with me. Come put my yoke. I'm like, I ain't trying to put a yoke on. I'm trying, I need rest. That's what I'm needing. He's like, no, no, if you want rest for your soul, come put my yoke on. Now, here's, we know this, a, a yoke, you harness two animals together and you can drastically increase your output, right? That's kind of the point. But here's what you would learn in that scenario. You have to yoke animals of equal size and strength together. If you yoke an ox with a donkey, you think, well, this guy, you know, an ox, they can both work together. They won't work together. The ox will literally work the donkey to death. He will drive him into the ground and kill him, right? That's, so you have to yoke something. Other places it says that, when we're in a, talking about dating relationships and business relationships, Christians should not be yoked together with unbelievers. We, want to be, we don't want to be unequally yoked, right? Now, this is interesting. Jesus is looking at all these people and he says, you're tired, you're exhausted, take my yoke. What's he saying? He's saying everyone has a yoke and everyone is yoked to something. And if you are yoked to the wrong thing, it can kill you. If you are yoked to the wrong thing, right? My example of the ox and the donkey. If you're the donkey in that scenario, you're in trouble, right? Because it can literally drag you to your death. The real question here is, who or what are you yoked to? What 
drives you in life, what, what almost pulls you forward, you don't even have to do it. It just gets you out of bed and it pulls you forward into your future. You almost feel like you're out of control. See, Jesus knows that every human being is yoked to someone or some, something and he wants to open their eyes that they are yoked to something other than him. You're worn out, you're exhausted, you're tired because you're not yoked to me, Jesus is saying. So that's the question for us this morning. What are you yoked to? If you're yoked to your children, that's where you really tap your happiness in your life. You'll try to live your life through your kids and that usually means that you will either drive them too hard or they will drive you too hard. And both of those approaches usually turn out poorly. They will either run away from you in hatred or they'll become so codependent upon you that you damage their soul. Either way, you end up destroying the very thing that you love the most, which is your kids. If you're yoked to money or success, you will try to live your life from promotion to promotion, deal to deal, and you'll never be satisfied. We all know this, right? How much money is enough? Just a little bit more. That's it. Being yoked to success will drive you into the ground and can destroy everything else around you and in you. Right? You're so desirous of money and success that you've yoked yourself to that and you can't say no. You can't take time off. You're stressed out, you're unhealthy, you're carrying heavy burdens. And eventually that thing's gonna just gonna wear you out and put you in the ground. And what good is all that success now? Right? You can even be yoked to self-improvement. Self-improvement is often our attempt to make ourselves acceptable to God. You feel like you're not good enough and God is not happy with you as you are and you are driven by the need to do better and be stronger in order to be accepted or stay in right relationship with him. See, many of us think God is that taskmaster is driving us like this. Many of us have worked really hard to get where we are and we thought that once we got the good job and the nice house and the kids and a good church, we could just kind of settle in and enjoy it. But we find ourselves just as driven and just as anxious and just as exhausted and just as weighed down and under heavy burden because now we're afraid of losing everything we've achieved. So what's going on in all these examples is that you're yoked to something that never stops demanding more of you. Your kids will always want more. Your job will always demand more. Many of our careers, many of our jobs, they will work us to death and then hire somebody new the next day. <laughs> And on and on and on it goes. And you will always have things you can improve about yourself. Right? 
Just ask your spouse. Just ask your kids. There will always be things to work on. See, when we are yoked to these things, our identity depends upon our constant effort and accomplishments. We feel the pressure. Don't make mistakes. Don't fail. Don't show weakness. And if you don't keep this up, you will fail and you will lose it all. That voice in our head is not Jesus. Let me ask you a diagnostic question here. How do you know if this is you? How do you know if you are yoked to something other than Jesus? Well, people who are yoked to something other than Jesus, one, they compare themselves with others often. They're always asking, how am I doing compared to that businessman, that mom, that student? They're exhausted and always on the go. And more than just their schedule, they actually have a busy soul. They think it's normal. They apologize all the time for how scatterbrained they are and how busy they are. And now even when they're here, they're not really here because they're thinking about the next commitment or the last commitment. They have this busy soul. They think that's normal. They're slow to admit weaknesses and failures because they've spent all this time propping up this identity, trying to build this identity, a successful, good, achiever, whatever it is. And anytime somebody says something negative about them, they take it as a personal attack. It is an attack on your false identity, but you think that's your true identity, that you've convinced yourself that you actually are that smart or are that good. And so any pointing out of a glaring weakness, many times you will lash out because your false identity is at stake and you're going to fight to protect it. But Jesus here, he looks at the crowd of people He says, you're burdened, you're heavy laden, you're carrying weight. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Now listen, Jesus here is rebuking the Pharisees who when people came to them, all they did was pile on rules and pile on regulation. And they they would look at busy, stressed out, frustrated people and they would say, that's because you're not doing enough. Now, my fear is, it's not even a fear. I think many times Christians can come into church and they can come in burdened and they can come in heavy laden and the answer from the pulpit is, do more, do more. Oh, you'll you'll be happier if you serve more. You'll be happier if you give more. You'll be happier if you lay down your life more. That's not Jesus's answer. Now, will the Christian serve? Yes, because God has served him and made him in a servant. Yes, that will happen. But that's not the answer to Jesus. Jesus rebukes. One place he tells the Pharisees that when people come to them burdened, all they do is 
make him more burdened. And he said, you're just making him twice the son of hell you are. Jesus wants to remove burdens. The only burden Jesus puts on you is the, it's like a bird's, a bird is burdened by its wings, okay? It's a weight that it has to carry. Those wings are a weight that it has to carry, but guess what it gets to do with that? Fly. I'll take that burden. When Jesus puts his yoke on us, it gives us a restfulness of soul. It opens up something for us. So Jesus' call here, hold on, take my yoke. It's a burden that's meant to free us. Think of it. You're burdening the bird with wings and it's freeing it to fly. Think of it like that. This is a call here. It's a call of repentance. It's a call to turn from whatever it is that I'm yoked to that's driving me into the ground and put my head into the yoke of Jesus. It's a conversion. I'm saying over here, my work is what defines me. I create my own identity by working hard and being smart and doing and achieving and all this kind of stuff. And in this situation, I put my head in the yoke of Jesus and now I'm defined by the identity he gives me. I'm defined by his work. I'm defined by his righteousness. Taking his yoke upon me gives me his identity, gives me a new identity. I'm his. See this here. Jesus asks us, are you tired? Are you heavy laden? Can you admit that you aren't able to carry this burden and do this work of self-justification, trying to prove to the world that you're good enough, that you can't do it anymore, that you're ready to lay down your deadly doing? Jesus, in essence here, is saying, are you ready to trust in my works and not your own? To those who answer yes, Jesus promises rest. Being yoked to anything other than Jesus is going to end up as soul slavery exhausting. Jesus says, if you want to experience a deep soul rest, if you want to step off the never-ending treadmill that says you must do more to be happy, come to him and take his yoke upon you. That means you must release whatever it is that you're yoked to and put your head into the yoke of Jesus. You can't be yoked to something else other than Jesus and Jesus at the same time. That's idolatry. But here's the part that I think most people miss. And this is why we still struggle as Christians. I don't want you to hear me saying, if you come to Jesus, your life will immediately get better and everything will be chill. I put my head in the yoke of Christ. Rest! How are you? Rested! How are you feeling? I'm just well rested. All the time. That's not what Jesus says. Look what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn. Restfulness of soul is a way of life we have to learn from Jesus. 
It's not something that you learn the information, you take a test, you pass the test. It's more like learning golf, right? Very few people pick up a golf club and go out there and just, you know, shoot par. Very few people can shoot par ever, right? But you're, it's a process. You're, I am a golfer now. I like to golf. And now you're in this thing and you have to learn what it takes to get good at it. Jesus is saying, those who come to me and take my yoke are entering into my school. That means Christians are to be lifelong learners of Jesus. And one of the things we're gonna have to learn how to do is how to have a restfulness of soul. How to lay our deadly doing down, down at the feet of Jesus. See, when I was 17, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I became a Christian. Right? Since then, I've experienced some of the deep soul rest that Jesus offers, but I'm still in constant learning mode. I still need to learn from him. I constantly yoke myself to other things. I yoke myself to my kids and they wear me out, right? And I get frustrated and I get possessive and I get controlling and I start thinking about, oh my goodness, how, how are they gonna turn out, right? I yoke myself to ministry, I can even yoke myself to learning, as I said before. And all of those things burn me out. And do you know what Jesus says to Christians who are too busy, stressed out, and feel like they're being crushed by the burdens they're carrying? He's saying, who are you yoked to? Pull your head out of that yoke and put it in mine and learn how to rest. Learn of me. He says, we still have a lot to learn. We still have a lot to learn. Listen, if you're exhausted this morning, if you're heavy burdened, if you're heavy laden, you need to learn, relearn, Re, relearn. Re, re, re. Re, 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 learn the gospel. The gospel is what removes the burden. The gospel is what takes the way. The gospel is the good news that you don't have to justify your own existence anymore. You don't have to prove yourself good enough, smart enough, good looking enough. That work is done. That work has been settled. Jesus Christ came to this earth to live the life that you should live. And he did it perfectly. And then he died the death that we deserve for all of our sins and all of our failures. And then when he was resurrected and glorified at the right hand of the father, he gifted us by grace, his righteousness. And so now when I receive his righteousness, I can have restfulness of soul. Jesus says every single person in the world is yoked to something. And no matter what it is, job, spouse, money, power, comfort, the approval of people, that thing will 
turn into a cruel taskmaster that keeps their whips trained against your back and that will eventually drive you into the ground. And what does Jesus say? He says, it's simple. Change yokes and learn from me. Put mine on and learn from me. Be yoked to me. Be a learner of me. Listen, you can't come to Jesus and expect to keep a typical American lifestyle. Jesus will not allow you to be yoked to success or money or comfort or the American dream or even your, your idea of freedom and him at the same time. And he's not doing that because he's cruel or he's mean. He's doing that because, listen, Jesus works at a different pace than all those masters. You can't do it. You can't yoke two things of unequal, you know, drive and strength and power at the same time. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you can't be yoked to the idol of money or even your kids or even... Success. No, 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 no. And then when we get in there and, we run and we're, we're so stressed out and we're so burdened, yeah. That's what happens when you put your head in the yoke of slavery to any other God. Jesus is the only one who will give you restful, restfulness of soul. Now, why is that? This text shows us, it shows us the pace that Jesus leads us in and the pace is determined by his own character. What he's like as a person. And interestingly enough, this is the only place in all four gospels where Jesus says what he's like in his heart at his core, right? And it's, this is really interesting. Steve talked about it last week when he, when he talked about what Jesus did on the night that he was betrayed. And it says he realized that everything he had was from the father and he was about to go back to be with the father. In one sense, he's like, he knew, he, he was like, realized he's God. Not that he didn't know it before, but he's like, what do you do when you realize you're God, <laughs> right? Like you stand up in the room and I'm the most important guy in the room. He took off his outer garment, put a towel about his waist and washed his disciples' stinky, nasty feet. Steve did a great, who does that? God. In this moment, he says this, everything in heaven and earth has been given to me. I'm the only one who knows the father. And what's he about to say about himself? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You're going to put that on your dating profile? Like, Jesus, you're going to talk about who you are? I kind of would lead with like all-knowing or something, all-powerful, sinless, son of God, righteous. I know everything about everything. I was there when the galaxies came out of my mouth. I would have led with that. He's like, I am gentle and lowly in heart. 
God is so different from us and he's so different from every other God that's entered in the mind of man. Only Jesus, when he, re when he reveals his glory and all, all of heaven and earth has been given to me, I'm gentle and lonely in heart. I realize I'm about to go back to the father. I mean, take the form of a servant and wash your feet. Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly. Think about that. That means Jesus is a gentle and humble master. His pace is slow. He is kind. He is gentle. He is patient. He doesn't lose his cool when you make a mistake. He doesn't freak out when you sin. He doesn't expect you to be a superhero. Like he's whipping your back going, we want this field done by noon. What's wrong with you? Why are you so slow? Many of you hear a different, that's, that's the voice of the enemy in your head that says, you're not where you should be right now. You should be farther along in your sanctification. You should be more holy. You should be more righteous. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. That's not the voice of Jesus in your head. He knows you. He's, scripture says he knows our frame. He knows that we're dust. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our temptations. He knows all of these things. And he's gentle with us. See, this is what we're learning. This is why we gotta be yoked to Jesus. Because when we're yoked to other things, we're running at a breakneck pace, we're exhausted, we're tired, we're worn out, and we start shaping God into our image. We start thinking he's like us. We have to take our heads out of that yoke and put it in the yoke of Jesus and learn again, he's gentle, he's lowly. He's, and here's the deal, if, if you're yoked to him, You'll have restfulness of soul. And he'll also make you into, make you more into what he already is, humble and gentle. Are you gentle? How do you respond when the waiter gets your order wrong? How do you respond when your kids interrupt you? How do you respond when someone says you did something wrong? See, now there's a lot of different types of personality types, a lot of different people in here. You might be naturally gentle. Lucky you, right? Not me, right? And for those who are naturally gentle, I'm sure the, being yoked to the Lord is gonna make you more courageous and more bold. But for people who are more headstrong and more being yoked to the Lord is gonna make them way more humble, way more gentle, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly heart. And look, you will find, you will find rest for your souls. If you haven't found that rest, it's time to take inventory of your life. And what, what are you yoked to? What are you yoked to? Take, repent of that. Say, that's what I mean. When I say take your head out of the yoke, Father, you pray to God, you say, God, I've been yoked to 
success. I've been yoked to whatever. I'm taking my head out of that yoke and I'm putting it in the yoke of Christ. I want you to be my master and drive me at your pace and give me rest for my soul. And for those of you who have already done that, we want to ask the question, how do I grow as in my identity as a learner? How do I learn of Jesus to grow and, and have a more restful soul? And there's a few ways you can do that. First off, you got to think about it like this. Learners are disciples of Jesus who take responsibility for their own development and the development of others. So we want to be growing in our understanding of God. We want to be growing in our knowledge of God and we want to be helping other people grow in their knowledge of God. In order to do that, what do we do? Learners make his word a priority in their life. Learners are students of the Bible. We should be in our Bibles daily. We should not be satisfied with like a surface level understanding of the Bible. We should be reading books about the Bible. We should be listening to podcasts about the Bible. That's why we do Sacred City Life podcasts. We put out two podcasts a week because we're studying scripture and we want to teach our people. This year should reveal our, our need to understand the scripture in a greater way. What, is, what does the Bible say about government and government's authority over us and over our own bodies? What does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about racism? What does the Bible say about Marxism and critical race theory and gender dysphoria and politics? And what does the Bible say about all this stuff? Now, most of us don't know what the Bible says and we're just running off the scripts that we've picked up from the culture. The scripts that the Republicans give us, the scripts that the Democrats give us, the, the, the scripts that the Libertarians give us, and we just run off those scripts. Christians take the yoke of Jesus and they want to see how scripture speaks of everything. Not just how do I get to heaven? Learners are involved in a learning community called a missional community. When Jesus called his disciples and come follow me, he made disciples in community on mission and they were lived, learning to live all of life under the lordship of Jesus. We need to surround ourselves with people who will continue to share the gospel with you so they can look at your life and they can maybe tap you on the shoulder and say, you look exhausted. You look worn out. Whose yoke is around your neck right now? We need people in our life like that. Ben brought up Porterbrook. Learners, learners take Porterbrook. Porterbrook is a theological development program and discipleship tool here at Sacred City that you can join in. You can get some literally world-class teaching and learning how to live all of my life to the glory of the Lord. Learners might even be compelled to take seminary, right? The key is that they're lifelong learners. They never stop. And they're not doing it just to hoard information and become theological bobbleheads, right? They're doing it because they're wanting to learn to better apply the word of God to their life and to their family and to their kids and to those that they're discipling. So this morning, I've got a call, two different calls. Number one, are you a learner of Jesus? If not, and you're, pro and you're worn out and you're tired, 
Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Put his yoke on your neck. And secondly, maybe you are a learner of Jesus, but you're not actually living out that identity. You, you actually know far more about the characters on your favorite sitcom than you do about the characters in this story. You actually know far more about your political party's talking points than you do what scripture says about it. And we're calling you like Sacred City Church. We're serious about discipleship. We're serious about learning to live all of our life for the glory of God. And we want you to step into your identity as a learner. Grow in your faith. Grow in that restfulness of soul. That's what he offers us. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you are so unlike every other leader of all the world religions. You are gentle and you are lowly and you take burdens off us. You don't crush us under them. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the work that you've done in our place on our behalf. And I pray this morning that Christians, first off, I pray that people would put their faith in you. And then secondly, I pray that Christians would unyoke themselves from the, the other things that are driving them into the ground, driving them to the point of exhaustion, wearing them out, burning them up. And they would take your yoke upon them. They would learn of you. They would receive rest for their souls. For your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Jesus, on the night that you were betrayed, you took the bread and you broke it and you said, this is my body broken for you. And the cup, and you said, this is my blood poured out for the remission of our sins. This is the cup of the new covenant that we're not judged based upon our own works, but through the works of Christ. And so I pray that this morning as believers come to your table with open hands that you would communicate that graciousness to them again. You would encourage them. You would lift up the faint-hearted. You would heal and mend the broken. You would encourage those. You would give courage to those who lack it and give gentleness to those who lack it. That you would do all of this for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.